What's up? It's your boys, Jordan and Abraham. As you guys know, he's a professional runner, so he's your fast friend. I'm an MD, PhD student, so I'm your smart friend. But the most important thing is we are your friends who read One Piece. Yes, yes, yes. And he's saying it with confidence now. He's saying it with confidence now. Sometimes you got to say stuff. I've learned when giving presentations, you got to say stuff with confidence, even if you don't really believe it yourself. As long as everybody else believes it, you're probably fine. But I got to tell you, we didn't get to read One Piece this week because there was no chapter this week. Oh, no. But that gives us an opportunity to talk about something that I think is very going to be very relevant uh, to the story going forward. And that is this idea of how does hockey as a what hockey how does hockey as a power system kind of st stand up when compared maybe to power system with it in other in other series and what really got me thinking about this was luffy's most recent fight against kizaru where i was talking to some friends about it and we just had a complete difference of opinion in terms of how strong Luffy versus Kizaru were in that fight. And a lot of it came down to the ambiguity of advanced conqueror hockey use during the fight, which made me think about maybe what are some of the shortcomings and what are some of the good things about hockey? Do you have any opinions about stuff like that, Jordan? Yeah, man. Well, to me, it's one of the things that's beautiful about hockey's a power system is the, ambiguity that it has in the system it's, it's it's the fact is we don't have a really clear understanding of just like oh uh, hockey is more important than devil fruits or devil fruits are more important than hockey you know it's not as simple as super saiyan one is is weaker than base state super saiyan two is stronger than super saiyan one so you know etc things like that and so i think it gives us a lot of ambiguity to work with for the characters and so i think that one of the questions that we're really like you're saying one of the things we're really wrestling with right now in the series is how strong are the admirals right we know akainu got half his white beard half his face was taken off and he could still wreck him but we're also sort of in a point where if the admirals are no longer a threat that feels like it would be super damaging to the story Right, like if, if Akainu isn't a threat, then we're just kind of like out of luck in terms of having the military as a villain for the rest of the series. And so for me, it's sort of really interesting thinking about what the awakening of Luffy's fruit mean, what it means for what these characters have, advanced conquerors, hockey, things like that. Like, And I think that it's the ambiguity of it that allows for a lot of it to continue to feel so natural. I think maybe we mean different things when we talk about ambiguity for a sec, because I actually find the ambiguity of hockey use itself to be kind of problematic in the series. So I agree in series like Dragon Ball Z, where you have like, you know, power scouters and it's like, you know, if someone has a power, uh, like if a scouter reads 10,000 and someone else reads 11,000, like, there's no nuance to the fight, right? The stronger fighter is just going to win whenever you scale stuff like that, which is how I think you were kind of using ambiguity in that conversation, right? You don't want going into a fight to be able to definitively say this 
this person has to be more powerful. That's almost like the the Doroki system back in like Water Seven, right? Where we were like, you know, right. we know Luchi's objectively stronger than Kaku and so on. I agree, you don't really want that in a power system because it doesn't really make for very creative fights. But the issue that I have with ambiguity in hockey use itself is that we don't really know from the se- like from the fights themselves when hockey is even being used and what kind of hockey is being used. I remember when Kobe did his punch against uh, Pizarro uh, back on uh, Beehive Island, right? Some people saw like... I guess Pizarro? Pizarro was on Beehive Island? No, no, no. Pizarro. Avalo Pizarro. Pizarro. The the Island Island fruit guy. Oh, yeah. Okay, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe I mispronounced his name. But when Kobe does his, you know, big punch to conclude that mini uh, arc. I, I, I mean, some people that I uh, were talking to thought that maybe he was using advanced conquerors because we saw like some black light, something that looked like black lightning. Right. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear that this was just maybe advanced armament because we didn't see the no contact uh, that is characteristic of advanced conquerors. But time and time again, I feel like whether it's Luffy not consistently using future side hockey, whether it's Luffy not consistently using advanced conquerors hockey against Kizaru, I had some people tell me that he did use advanced conquerors. He was going all out throughout the fight. Whereas to me, it seemed like he only used advanced conquerors for that last blow before Saturn came, right? And when you have a power system uh, that is... When it, when your readers can't come to a consent, consensus upon like what abilities are even being used and when, that's a little problematic. You know what I mean? But basically the only thing where that comes into account is whether or not something is advanced conquerors hockey, right? And if we understand these things as a manifestation of willpower, it's just sort of like, if instead of thinking about it as, oh, now this thing has to reach into the tier of advanced conquerors hockey but instead it's like hey this is some armament hockey and this is con- and this is kind of it's stronger armament hockey or this is you know rio and this is kind of stronger rio i think it's this sort of categorization that we're placing on it where we're trying to really scale it's it, it what, what we what you run into trouble is trying to decide that one of these things is just undoubtedly stronger than the other thing, and say oh well this person wasn't going all out because he wasn't using advanced conquerors like maybe he was going all out but it wasn't the time to use it and I think that like no we don't have this absolutely perfect understanding of it but I think the idea that no one who doesn't have advanced conquerors hockey could beat someone who does have advanced conquerors hockey has to be a flawed concept. Yeah, but I don't think it's just an issue with advanced conquerors, right? Like I said, with Future Sight, we've seen characters like specifically Katakuri, right? Who's constantly using every single moment of every single day, he is surveying everything Future Sight. And with Luffy, we have moments where he decides to use Future Sight in his battles, We've seen Kaido has have moments where he's he can he's like, did you think you're the only person who could look into the future? Um, but then there are other moments where, for whatever reason, Luffy is not using future set, right? And maybe you know the argument is just as simple as 
he's not nearly as skilled as Karakuri in observation hockey yet. But I guess my point is is that the inconsistency is not just limited to advanced conquerors hockey in life. So where where else do you see this? What you would call inconsistency? I think the the two biggest ones are advanced conquerors and future sight. Those are the oh, two but, biggest but, components. But with, to with future sight, to me, it feels like Luffy is using that basically in every fight, right? As, as long as he's focused on something, it's just not going to show us that every time because that would be totally onerous, right? Like mm-hmm. to for, to have Luffy to show to actually necessarily show. Oh, in every single fight, he's using future sight. It's like if every single time someone attacks, they're just going to be like. Oh, I saw that attack. But oh, actually, Kaido's too fast because he can also see into the future. And there's this whole like future sight, future sight battle. It's like, man, I don't want to think too much about that. That's going to end up being this this way too complicated game. I guess I, I agree with that. But the thing is, Oda will go out of his way to point out when Luffy is using future sight, right? Like he'll specifically, I think, well, like against two times, right? Like when else, when else do they do it? It's it's like yeah, it's like I in think... specific moments where something about it matters. So for example, he's learning yeah. with Katakuri. Obviously, it matters in that instance. When he's fighting Kaido and we're demonstrating that power up is not strong enough to just beat Kaido, that's when we show it. But if you assume that that it's like it's not like when we saw Luffy use it against Kaido, he just stopped using it the rest of the time. It's just they didn't need to show it because they've demonstrated that so, Luffy is using it against in, Kaido. In the Udon prison arc, I remember he specifically stops the guard from doing some poison attack and he's like, oh, I just saw a horrible future. I think against um, the Toby Ropo, I can't remember her name, the the, the girl that would headbutt Ulti? everyone. Ulti, yeah. I think when Luffy fought her, I could be misrem- mis- misremembering, but I'm pretty sure he also made a reference where he was like talking about seeing the future. So there are times in random fights where Oda will point out that Luffy is looking into the future. And I think it's fine maybe to do that with new characters that we don't know can see them. Like when Kaido announces, did, did you think you were the only person who could look into the future? It's important because now we know definitively Kaido has future sight. Same thing with Shanks. But like... But like the moment... Say, about, right? When, yeah. he, when he pulls... When he like either it's Ulti or other... Or it's, you know, him avoiding the poison or whatever from uh, whatever was happening in the Udon mines. Yeah. What it has is demonstrating why Luffy was able to do this thing and why he chose to make an action that he made. Through a lot of the fighting, it it just being on generally is not going to necessitate, it's not going to be such a, oh, I like made this completely seemingly weird decision because of this danger danger that I had to had to stop. I mean, that's a fair interpretation. I just think that when you do have a bunch of like instances where you're where where you're specifically pointing out that he's using this ability, it makes it hard for me to then assume that when you're not pointing that out during his fights that he's also using that. You know what I mean? And it's not. I don't know what you mean, I, I easily assume that. <laughs> no, no. To me, it's it's not like a tripling weakness of hockey as a power system, but I do think it leads to. You can have two people read the exact same fight and interpret it two completely different ways because they have different underlying assumptions about what's going on. For example, like again, I I read like perfect example. I read Kizaru versus Luffy, and right. to me, you know, our, uh, my my our buddy Samir, he was telling me, yeah, Luffy, Luffy is basically as strong as as 
Kizaru because the fight ended in a draw. And my point was like, well, Luffy didn't use advanced conquerors throughout the fight. So if he's not using one of his most powerful abilities, it would be like if you fought an Uchi, oh, I'm like, okay, wait, wait, let me finish. Okay, you Mr. Fought, Moore's. Okay, you, Mr. You, Moore's. You, I watched that whole video. <laughs> no, 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 no. But if you fought like if you fought Sasuke and he didn't use his Sharingan and Sasuke lost, right? I feel like the response wouldn't be that X person is as strong as Sasuke because he clearly wasn't using it, all of his abilities. Or it's like if you fought Goku and Goku never went Super Saiyan. Again, I think it's reasonable to be like, how can we scale them the same way when they haven't used all of their abilities? But then Samir's point was, I don't know if he hasn't been. Maybe he has been using advanced conquerors his whole time, and we just weren't really aware of it during the fight. And that's where I think some of these issues that I'm bringing come up. But I think that the just to use the analogy you just used, it would be more like, it's sort of like we don't we don't know that Kizaru has exhausted his everything either. He could have in some way just been surprised by the amount of power that Luffy had or just not known how to fight some dude who's like running around jumping and freaking whatever all the mess gear fifth is, turn into a giant and all those kinds of things, right? Like when Luffy came back, it wasn't like they were fighting head to head. It's that Kizaru was sitting here threatening Vegapunk and Luffy turned into a giant and ran his arm into the building and grabbed him just like completely by surprise, right? So it's not, it, it, it's more along the lines of like, yeah, we know that maybe Sasuke didn't use his Sharingan or, you know, maybe he didn't, I don't even know, all the, whatever the strongest, Mangeko, you know, whatever. The whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mangenkyo, yeah. you know. It's more, but it's also like, if, if Naruto didn't use his Rasengan, or if he didn't like fully unleash his Ninetales Chakra, and you say they're in a fight, you say we still need to see more, but we have reason to believe that they're the very least in the same class of people. And I think that that's what this sort of power system has done really well, is created a world in which people can beat other people without just like by being stronger in a different way. It's like you don't have the strongest conqueror, like freaking Chin Zhao had conqueror's hockey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And he might have even had advanced conquerors hockey because oh no 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 he has been guarding up for a second for a second I saw for a second I thought he got his head busted in I thought his head busted in but it wasn't touching I just remember I was like no nah, I tried to make that argument before his his head was definitely touching Garp's hand but we know he had conquerors hockey and that doesn't make him necessarily a stronger character than someone. You know, who may not have Conqueror's Hockey, like Kizaru doesn't seem like he has Conqueror's Hockey, but I would be willing to bet that you're going to take Kizaru over Chinjao in a fight, you know, nine times out of ten. It, yeah. it, 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 go ahead. No, no, I agree. I think that is, that's, that's why I said how we're using ambiguity is a little bit different. I'm talking about ambiguity in terms of, uh, like, actual when characters are using hockey, and you're talking about ambiguity in terms of is person X stronger than person Y right. based off of these different skill sets? It's almost like in Hunter Hunter, right? Where you have Nen, right? And depending on how you're implementing your Nen, you know, someone who's, you know, it's it's not crystal clear who's stronger than the other. And I, I actually do love that part about it. The other thing that I love about hockey as a power system is that it, there are certain devil fruits in the series that when we were introduced to them felt like instant wins 
right. that are now just we now that we realize are are a little bit nerfed by the presence of Hawkman. I think Boa's fruit to me seemed like one of the most right. broken fruits in the world. This right, is like right. literally instant went over anyone hey, who listen, hold on now. Fruit. Hold on now. If Big Mom had that fruit now. <laughs> Listen now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm saying if Big Mom had that fruit, you know, I don't know if we would have the same exact kind of powers as Boa sure. Hancock. All right. Well, you know, you you know what I mean though, right? <laughs> I just want to be clear that it's a combination yeah. of certain things that makes that yeah. fruit OP in Boa Hancock's hands. Yes. But yes, it's not yes, it's yes. not just that devil fruit that's OP. <laughs> <laughs> but you get so and I might now be afflicted we, by that too if I lived in the One Piece world. I, I'm not gonna oh, lie, because sure. I have some good for willpower. Sure. But you know, it's certain things. You gonna, are you are you gonna let Boa step on your face? I would let Boa do a lot of things in my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm not talking about stepping. I'm talking about something uh -huh. else. It's yeah, okay. It's okay. Yeah, I got, stand I got you, on my face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man. No, but um, I think Lost Fruit to me was like that. Boa's Fruit was like that. Where it right. was like, yeah, if you're fighting Law and he just switches your personality with some weakling, then all of a sudden he can beat you, right? Well, no, because if your hockey is stronger than Law's hockey, then he can't use his Devil Fruit on you. We right. haven't seen that with Boas, but I imagine her whole thing about turning you into stone, if your hockey is strong enough, that you'd be able to fight something like that off too, right? So these kind of overpowered devil fruits, not being these instant win conditions, is something that I love. Hockey having, I think it it make, it's, it serves a very integral role for hockey in this series. And I think the thing that works so well for it in this series in particular is that it is in a lot of ways, an extension of willpower, which seems to be the thing that Oda wants to communicate is the meaning of true strength. I guess both willpower and the ability to draw people to you. And so in a lot of ways, I think, you know, observation hockey, even when you talk about someone like Kobe being able to hear all the voices and be able to feel people suffering, uh, that's like a real form of strength. And then like what Mihawk refers to, I think at least that kind of hockey is related to that power that Mihawk talks to as the most fearsome, most fearsome in the oceans of being able to draw people and have people want to be on your side. And then obviously just like your, your fighting willpower. Yes, you have armament hockey, but the strongest version of that is also about being able to, is also about, you know, having one, being a champion, being a conqueror, being someone who wants to, to dominate and having the extension of that be the kind of thing that determines strength and is able to sort of like flexibly it's like it's able to counteract devil fruit powers but only if your will is super strong and then also the devil fruit powers are able to get super strong but then also if you don't have enough willpower then you can't conquer like an awakened zone devil fruit and so for that to really be the important piece of how things work it allows there to be an amount of lack of clarity but it really comes down to the person who's the toughest with the strongest will is the one who will and deserves to win i think that's a beautiful thing for the series yeah no for sure and this is another thing samir disagrees with me uh, uh about but i also love the fact that we got allusions to this back in Baratier. With you know Zeph talking to Sanji about like the strongest spear when Luffy's fighting Don Krieg, like 
Oda right. had this idea, in my opinion, Oda had this idea about willpower manifesting as strength back in the East Blue. And the fact that he was able to form an actual power system out of it, to me, was pretty cool. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, Samir, get out. Stop hating. Oda had this planned out. Oda had this planned out all the way back to East Blue. Samir, stop hating. <laughs> this is a beautiful... Uh, I completely agree. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's... It's it's great to see the references from all the way back then. Yeah. So, you know, we already gave predictions for 1107 last week. But I feel like we have another week. We might as well give another prediction. So do you have any thoughts about what might be happening in this next chapter, these next couple of chapters? Man, I got I got a good one, I think. You know, we talked a lot about power systems, feats, things like that. I think we're going to get Dory and Bragi versus Kizaru. And I think I'm going to predict that it's going to be pretty even. And sidebar, that's that's another thing we didn't even talk about. Is Dory and Bragi are just, like, huge? We don't have any idea, like, how strong. Um, Like how we mentioned, we don't really have an idea how strong, like, giants or whatever. We have all these different things that have different abilities to impact how strong someone is. It's like, hey, actually just being freaking huge, we don't even know if you can use hockey. But, like, that matters for how strong you are. I know in our last chapter, we were talking about how there's no similar feats for defeating sea kings. There's like no one that we've seen actually defeat a sea king. But let me tell you, man, I was reading volume, it was probably volume 34 the other day, last night in my room before I went to bed. Maybe I even read it this morning. I don't know. And there is actually one other feat we have of someone easily defeating a sea king. And Nolan. it's when a sea king. What? No, Nolan does. Two other you feet? Say? <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> what is no one defeating a sea king? Hold on. <laughs> right, right, right before they get to Jaya, you don't remember there's like a sea king that's about to attack their ship and then he like dives into the ocean and, and kills it. Oh, what? Yeah. Wait, my black cricket, you mean? No one uh, man. Yeah, no, this is during the flashbacks, right? Like during oh, the flashbacks. The flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> Dang, man, yeah. for a second, I was like, what? I was like, I was like, that's going to ruin my whole argument if, like, Mob Block Cricket was that strong. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I mean, Nolan during the flashback before he gets to meet Calgarar and stuff. Yeah. Right, right, right. No, so I, I want to go back and read that too. But yeah, exactly. So that, that's another feat. That's another dude who we know was like, who we would assume is like pretty freaking strong, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but Aokiji also is basically attacked by a sea king right at the end of Long Ring Long Limb before he gives Tanta a path to, you know, move along the rest of the islands. I think that we, that that's the kind of feat that we look at as, impl as implying someone's really strong when it's characters like Noland, uh, Aokiji, and just the giants who do it. And so I think, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that we're going to end up with them as the people who fight Kizaru, while Luffy, maybe even some Akuma's memories take on Saturn, and it's going to be a pretty good fight. It's going to be even. It's not going to be a blowout. Yeah, I, I, I think size matters for, I don't want to say for fodder, but it matters up until you scale to a certain level. And then at a certain point, when you're talking about the admirals, the Yonko and stuff, doesn't matter, I think, how big, big and muscular you are. It, like what matters is how strong your hockey is, how strong your devil fruits are. I I personally have Dory and Brogi 
closer to like a vice admiral level. Maybe they're on like excluding Garp, obviously, but I would put them probably around the top of like a vice admiral rather hey, it's than two on one though. It's two on one. I mean, you you find me two vice admirals that are boxing with Kizaru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Oda will scale them up in the same way that he did with Crocodile three times skip. But I don't I don't expect them to to be able to fight Kizaru. But who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe 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 I'll be proven wrong. My prediction for the next chapter is that we are going to we're going to be that Katarina Devon is going to make herself um or her presence like uh, aware everyone aware to her presence and that someone that is currently with like the straw hats and the vegapunk bodies and whatnot right now is uh kind of secretly Katarina Devon as an imposter and that next chapter we're going to get a whole rink thrown into egghead by the blackbeard pirates uh being there Damn it, you think we're gonna get you think we're gonna get the giants in one chapter and then the Blackbeard Pirates in the next chapter? Yeah, because it feels like the arc is coming to a close, right? To me, it, it it I don't think we have a lot of time left. We specifically got a panel with Blackbeard's ship approaching Egghead. So I don't know why Oda would include that if he just wasn't going to have them in the story, right? So he well, has to introduce wait, them at some point. Wait, I just I just had an idea. What if Blackbeard steals Saturn's devil fruit? And that's the egghead island incident, bro. What if that's it? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Don't laugh like that, no. man. <laughs> I, I don't see it. I don't see don't it. Don't be disrespectful like that, man. Come on. I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I don't think it's happening. I also don't like the idea of devil fruits being reused like that, you know? Like, that's it's the same reason why I didn't love the idea of Blackbeard showing up to Wano and stealing Kaido's stuff. That's fair, but you know, I, I don't know, man. I got inspired when you're talking about the Blackbeard pirates showing up and thinking about the Egghead <laughs> Island incident, and I'm like, you know, what, what, like, because it's a real, it's an interesting question of how they're, because we know they're there. It can't be nothing. Yeah. How are yeah. they going to mix in how are they going to mix in with now all the other factions? We got the Giants, we got the Vega Pump, we got the Straw Hats. I don't know, man, but it's it's gonna be exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, I agree. So all we right. got a special S class versus F class special special uh, version today. You know, I know we said in our last episode we're gonna talk about the sleeping giant that it's in eleven oh six. Here we go. I'm I'm gonna go over and pull up eleven oh six on here. It's, on the second to last, maybe it's the fourth to last page, because some of these are two-page spreads, we start to see the giant begin to creak right after Vegapunk's death. And as soon as we start seeing the Nika noises coming and you see Nika flying around, we're starting to see the 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 sleeping giant move once again. And that's something that we knew we wanted to get into, but we said we're going to save this for a break week. we got to talk about Vegapunk's death. You know, so we're, we're going to get into it now. But I think it's it's tough on this one to just have our own thoughts and ideas because it's such a big lore question. So we decided to give you a sleeping robot, sleeping giant themed S-class versus F-class with two theories that we're going to go a little more in-depth on. I'm excited. So the first one comes from Artur, Artur Library of O'Hara. Ar Arthur. Ar Arthur. 
Thank you. Arter, Library of O'Hara. As we know, you know, one of the hypotheses for the power of the buccaneers is that they're able to sort of pass on their will or some kind of manifestation of like a super strong will that they have. The sleeping giant is had his will was someone who one of the original buccaneers 800 years ago passed his will onto into this augmented body. And you could even suggest that this person who passed on their will to the sleeping giant was Joy Boy, who we know, you know, might have been a giant or was kind of huge with the giant hat. There's an addendum to this theory, but I'm going to get your initial reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't love the idea of inherited will being a tangible thing. Like, so does that mean that because this person passed his will, like maybe Joy Boy passed his will onto this giant, that when the giant awakens, it would essentially be Joy Boy, like reincarnated or something? Like, maybe not reincarnated, because I guess that's kind of supposed to be a Luffy. But right. What you me, thrilled about? <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I'm all for that with Luffy, right? Because it's the idea of Luffy being this generation's Joy Boy is not that, you know, he's some direct descendant or that he has inherited his spirit, per se. It's more that the ideals um, of joy boy himself are those that are held by luffy and they're the they're the ones that the straw hats are pushing forward into the world right which is how i think oda has consistently written stuff about inherited will uh so having a scenario where inherited will becomes some tangible thing to me would kind of cheapen that i don't know I'll say, man, because I really disagree with you on that in part. Honestly, this has been a really big theme of today's conversation is like, I think in a lot of ways, that's one of the things that's really cool about hockey, right? Is the idea that, is the idea that, yes, you have actual physical manifestations of willpower. You Like, you having willpower makes your punch stronger, not like figuratively in the sense like you punch someone stronger, but you're able to actually like push willpower out of you and like punch someone from inside their stomach. I think there was also information in one of the recent like One Piece like guidebooks, logbooks or whatever that talks about how inherited will is passed down through like whatever like the freaking DNA element, whatever the thing is. And so like that's one of the things where it's like the will of the devil fruit for someone, right? Like what happened to the jailer beasts in in and he's impelled down, almost said, and he's lobby. Yeah, it was, it was impelled down, right? Jailer Beast? Jailer Beast is impelled down. It's like what happened to them is they were people who the zone fruit, actually the fruits that they had had too much willpower. And so they weren't able, actually able to handle it. So when your devil fruit is awakened, you sort of lose track of yourself and lose your mind. And then you end up acting like a giant cow or whatever. <laughs> And that's <laughs> like really, I think there's there's a way to imagine that that's what's happening with Luffy too when he starts sort of like you know getting tired and and sort of just like shriveling up. It's like he's potentially not always able to to handle the amount of power that Nika has. Although when it once it's awakened, although he's obviously strong. But to me, I think that's one of the things that we see Kuma and Kuma is someone who, despite having his personality completely erased from his body, his willpower is this thing that's sort of like passed on like it, it still exists within his body 
that is able to move him to move to Bonnie and do whatever he wants and needs right. to do. But it's more inspirational to me if that is not an actual... Like, if Luffy is Joy Boy because he received the spirit of Joy Boy, and so he was like almost like he was destined to become this because he got the the will or spirit of Joy Boy, maybe through his devil through the way. That is less inspirational to me than this this idea of look, you have Luffy who was inspired by Shanks, who was inspired by Roger, who was you know, and and you you can go back generation after generation to be like, this is how I. I should be living my life. This is how these these are the ideals that I believe in. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I I like that idea a lot more than just being like, this is something I was always kind of destined to do because I ate the simple fruit and I, I, <laughs> I got the the will of a sun god. You know, so I'm not in love with this theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, we got a sleeping giant. I got to tell you, I'm sleeping on this theory. And we're going to have to give it, give it an F, F, F class. Yeah, man. You just hating on the passing on a will, man. I'm just going to say, because that's <laughs> it's like, you're hating on that. And that seems very obviously like what has happened with Luffy. It's like he was destined to be Joy Boy after he ate this fruit, man. And people might not like it, but that seems to be the case. I don't think that was the case. I, I think that Shanks saw saw something in Luffy and okay here's the thing we don't know how much Shanks knew about the well, Gomu Gomu no Mimi. To give him the fruit man no I know that I know I'm saying we don't know how much Shanks knew about the Gomu Gomu no Mi, but like long before any of this happened Shanks essentially he gambled the future of the world on this random five-year-old that he found on this island because he's like this kid, you know, he reminded me of Roger, and he did this, and he did that, and I mean, to me, that all pre all of that preceded Luffy eating the the, the his devil fruit. But that is true. But it also kind of seems like the Joy Boy and Mika. You know, I'm not saying Shane didn't believe him. It just kind of seems like. He was <laughs> Especially too with the giant robot, we we don't know what makes it move. Why did it decide suddenly that it wants to start moving and attacking Marajoa two hundred years ago? Why can someone like Vegapunk, who's a super genius, not be able to figure out how to actually make it move? To me, the idea that it's getting some kind of that it's moving on some kind of willpower towards you know where where the original person whose willpower it has might have had enemies such as at such as at Marajoa. I think that's kind of cool. But let let me just add an addendum to this theory and see if this you know this is all this is also what Arthur said. So it's not just me making things up. I'm gonna see what you think of this. You know what I'm saying? So you know he also said that what if they were what if the robot is drawn towards the red line right because that's where the enemies are atop the red line, and potentially because we know because the one piece is under Marajoa, right? Which 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 would work out with the whole we're blowing up all the four seas, right? Like at the bottom uh -huh. of the red line, right? It's like you gotta blow up the four okay. seas, you gotta make the one ocean to get the bottom of Marajoa. But there's gotta be a, a path to somehow get to that undersea where under where where you get to under the Marajoa. Now maybe that's Annie's lobby. 
Hey, maybe that's what the Hawaii lobby is for. Maybe I feel like you skipped. You, you skipped. <laughs> you lost me. You jumped a couple steps. That I'm okay. The one piece is under the red line, right? And how does that? And we have to be able to get under the red line to get the one piece. How does that tie into any slot? Well, because that's a giant hole that can help us get to the bottom of the ocean to get under the red line. <laughs> Listen, man, you go, to the, you go to the bottom of this giant hole, that's going to help you get down to the bottom of where you got to go. And so is it like the, the giant robot is the one who cut out this giant hole around any sloppy or something like that? Like, Listen, man, this eight. If the giant robot was trying to get down to the bottom of the ocean or under the red line, and the so, point is, the one piece at the bottom of Eddie's lobby. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> F, F, F class. First of all, we already know you can get under the water under by holding your shit. We've seen what, why, why are we jumping through hoops? To do something that we've already seen happen in the story. Nah, because because the robot couldn't get there that way. And that's <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, man. I just needed to have I just needed I heard someone on the internet say something about using any lobby to get to the one piece at the bottom of the ocean, and I had to say something about it, okay? That's crazy. <laughs> I just had to come up with that. Um the next theory I have about the giant robot is by Joy Girl, a new YouTuber who I'd never heard of before. So the TLDR version of it is that the giant robot's attack on Marajoa is connected to the dwarves and fishmen and skypeans. I didn't understand how this guy happened to skypeans. Sort of like being protected from the kind of like discrimination and persecution that they had before and it was a weapon that was created by the fishmen from you know eight nine hundred whatever years ago uh the reason it moved 200 years ago is because the is because of like the height of violence against fishmen at that point and they said we well, you know we got to move to go attack marajoa and there's sort of in that way a kind of like a parallel between the iron giant and fisher tiger your favorite who like were felt like yeah we got to go climb the red line to go attack these people, um. Then two hundred years ago, we know that's when the fishmen joined the world government. The flying fish settled in a place that like was in between Green Bit and Dressrosa, which added protection for them. And so the reason, basically, all the world elites were super scared of this giant coming up and attacking them because of when it was activated at two hundred years ago. Uh, and maybe it's powered, we're not sure exactly how, by the Eternal Flame and Sun Tree Eve or something like that. But but the people in Marajoa said, now we're going to give fishmen rights. Now we're going to give other people rights so they don't come up with these technologies to come attack us. So I am I feel like the timeline of this theory is not in line with the timeline of events in the story, right? Because and maybe I'm misremembering stuff, but Fishman Island became... Like they got a seat at the reverie and were acknowledged by the world government by Otohime, right? Like when she went up there with Mosgeod, right? I don't think they, the world government acknowledged them before that, right? But according to this theory, the timing of that is similar to the timing of the giant moving 200 years ago or whatever. But we, they didn't attend the reverie, right? Yeah. Right. Because Otohime didn't live 200 years ago. That was like maybe like 30 or 40 years ago. 
man, do I need to start watching these YouTube videos more closely or something, man? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, because all this stuff is like Fisher talk. Like, Shirohoshi is only like 16 years old, right? Like, so this is this, this didn't happen 200 years ago. So I, I feel like I I would I would love this if the timeline matched up, but the timeline just doesn't really seem to make sense. Hold on, man. Let's pretend the timeline makes sense, and then I, and I'm gonna go like <laughs> maybe I'll come back next week. I find the answer. You know, it, what's the what's the name of their kingdom? Like you something. You know what I mean? You what what kind of kingdom is this? Man, whatever whatever the fishman's kingdom is called. Oh, Ryugyu. Ryugyu. Kind of Messi now is telling me this is showing me things in like present day Japan on uh, on Wikipedia. So let, let, let's just pretend that the timeline works out because I'm gonna assume that I just explained something wrong and the timeline actually does work out because <laughs> top of this person on the internet, I I I want her trust and joy girl. You know what I'm saying? So can you, you know, g give me give me a rating. What do you think of it if the timing does work out? You know what I'm saying? If the timing works out, then I guess if the time if the time I worked out, I guess I could give it an S class. But it just it's very clear that we know that from the Vegapunk that the robot moved two hundred years ago, and we know Ultra Hime and Fish Tiger weren't alive two hundred years ago. Um so it's you know it, it feels weird to give it an S class because you're basically like if it, it, it feels like the whole theory is built on like all of this stuff happened two hundred years ago and that's what got the robot to move but it didn't happen two hundred years so I don't I'll 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 give it an S class just so that you can have a, a <laughs> well you know I do like the idea of the robot being something that. Is at the very least like politically that there's like a real political reason for the robot moving when it did, and 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 that the effect of it actually had some kind of effects on the rest of the effects on the rest of the world, right? Like I know one of the things that Uteron talks about a lot when he's done theories about the he's done theories about the giant robot is a lot of us talking about like yeah what was it was it allied with the ancient kingdom and is that why it had a battle like 900 years ago and who knows what was moving 200 years ago maybe it has something to do with you know some so the older joy boy 200 years ago i don't really know but i'm sort of you know the idea that it's allied with these sorts of factions and then has political implications i think is really it's at the very least an interesting um it's an interesting reason for it to be moving and for it to exist sure no i agree with that well you know well, you have any ideas on the giant robot man because apparently all mine suck and have bad uh <laughs> <laughs> i thought archers was actually a pretty have... interesting theory but go go on go on yeah no i don't have any fleshed out thoughts on the giant robot i think it was i think it's pretty clear that the ancient kingdom was fairly technologically advanced and or maybe I shouldn't say it's clear but the robot to me suggests that the ancient kingdom was technologically advanced and that this might just be some kind of remnant of I don't know if it's like their fighting force or something along those lines right that managed to not be eliminated by the world government I still don't know what 
causes it what caused it to move 200 years ago it seems like in the present day the resurrection of joy boy uh like in, of nika is is what's uh causing it to move at least that's what the story seems to imply um but again that's also i i also don't know what how nika just being there is a power source unless it's like you know the drums of liberation you know you know how like uh who's that revolutionary army member the one that has like the flag flag fruit or whatever that like Bello hypes Betty. people up mellow betty right so maybe it's a matter of something like you know the drums of liberation they boost your spirits in that sense in the same way that her devil fruit kind of does and that's what causes the robot to move i don't I think those kinds of things make a lot of sense because the thing we don't have a really good explanation for is why someone like Vega Vegapunk, who has all kinds of technological expertise, right? Like this dude is a major scientist. You know what I'm saying? It's he at the very least very clearly seems to have a level of understanding of what science looks like in the One Piece world beyond the what the normal average person in one piece or the normal normal pirate normal even even a freaking normal anyone but jay garcia satin understands and so the idea that he doesn't really understand or know how to make it work really sort of i mean to be honest that's why the archer theory resonates for me is because the idea of it having some kind of will or there needing to be some kind of connection with something whether it's nika whether it's joy boy or whether it's just like someone has to be trying to do something that makes that will come to life is interesting as like an explanation for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm on board with that for sure. But cool, I think man. it's time. I think it's time we move on, and we, you know, we we've talked about cheating a lot on this part. Yeah, we like... talked about it last week. <laughs> to the to the point where I feel like people might start to be making assumptions about me and you. <laughs> Maybe not. But this time I want to ask you something to approach this whole idea of cheating maybe from a different perspective. And my question is, how would you feel if you were the side chick? Or I guess the side guy in, in like a relationship. Bro, I would love to be the side piece, man. I, I I would enthusiastically be the side chick. Now, the first thing is I've been a side chick in many, not many, in in, in some, you know, non like some consensual, <laughs> non-monogamous relationships, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was how I first got my introduction to, you know, polyamory and, like, non-monogamous relationships, whatever, was there was someone who, you know, I'd, like, gone out with her, and I was like, yeah, kind of like, what's the deal, you know? We kind of talking, but I don't really know, and she was like, so basically, she was like, basically, yeah, I'm, like, in this polyamorous relationship with this guy, and, like, so, you know, like, whatever happens naturally can happen, but, like, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I, but, like, I have a partner, right? And I was like, you know, cool. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, but you know, and at that point, I think I wasn't honestly that interested well, in it. You knew, you knew you would decide piece early on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at that point, I was, you know, I took a break from that. Like, I wasn't super, but you know, I, I opened up more to it later. And like, you know, I have friends who just be like, whoa, like, wait, so you met like her like boyfriend? And I was like, yeah, it was cool. He was nice. <laughs> like, you, 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 you
We we played board games or whatever, yeah. Oh, you said you said they were polyamorous. Okay, so that that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, in in that situation, like being a side chick is a beautiful thing, because, you know, it, it, you're able to connect with someone, at a certain level, but you don't have certain other pressures, right? And it's like me and this me and this girl were cool, right? Like we got along, we liked each other, but you don't have, there's like a certain bar that you kind of have to surpass to really make sense to, you know, commit to someone in a relationship in a certain, at a certain level. Yeah. But there's a million people who you can connect with at a slightly lower level. And when you get the option to just connect with them at that lower level and not have the pressure of wondering about that next thing, it's a beautiful thing. Let me ask you something. Have you been a side piece when the other person in the relationship was in a monogamous relationship? Well, you know, it, we don't have to go into details, but like <laughs> one, it, definitely one time, and I actually didn't know about it at that time. Okay. At that point in time, I found out about the next year. It was someone who, you know, it was like, well, so when I go to Japan on the Ekaden trip, right? It's like you, you go, you have all these like jet program hosts who take the team through because you know most of us don't speak Japanese. At that point, I didn't speak Japanese. I was like, "Mate, yamero," like that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> you spoke Abraham Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I spoke Abraham <laughs> Japanese, anime Japanese, like whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Ore wa. <laughs> but so you know you know he was one of our jet program hosts and you know like we were kind of talking and she was kind of you know she came out, yeah, we, we all went to karaoke she came out with us after and she came over she whispered in my ear she, she, oh. you know, we're, we're like we're, we're doing karaoke with the whole group and she comes over to me with leaves, leaves right into my ear and says I want to break you in half oh shit <laughs> Oh, shit. I swear to God! I swear to God! I swear to God! She leaves. She she went. She went. She went right up, and she said, "I want to break you in half." I think oh, my mouth. <laughs> my mouth was about like I I I I I, I didn't know what to say. Um. <laughs> But all I know is, you know, we were making out outside the karaoke room. Next thing you know, um, and she did just about break me in half. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I love it. I love it when women are forward like that. Oh, like that's actually a huge. That's a huge turn off. Take my pants off right now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Take my pants off right now, because you know most of the time you gotta be saying all this and that and, and spitting all this. Yeah. And she didn't just say I want you. No. Yeah. Break you in half. God damn, bro. That's what I'm saying. So you know, I, be careful though. If I heard that, I might part of me might wonder if I was about to get pegged or something like that. <laughs> she took. She didn't peg me, but she about <laughs> darn near broke me in half. Let me tell you that. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy, dog. That's crazy. Because I'm kind of a teeth guy, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm kind of a teeth guy, too. And so, I mean, you know, not in certain situations. But, you know, honestly, like, it was a great experience. Like, I was younger. You know, I was, like, 24. Like, I hadn't, you know, been with women. And, And honestly, like, that was one of the first experiences where I felt like, 
you know, like I can be kind of aggressive in a certain way. And like, you know, if, if, if you don't like some teeth in this makeup, like it's just, just, this just might not be for you kind of thing. And that was kind of like the, one of the first times where like, you know, so I was really insecure and I was younger and like a lot, some woman would be like, Oh, that's, that's too much for me. You know? Oh, like that's, and that was the first time I was like, Oh, this is just a thing that I like. <laughs> I was like, this is a thing that I yeah. like and some women like it too. And that's, and, and that's beautiful. And I'm okay with that. Was this girl in a, a relationship then, or like this? 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 Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I almost forgot about that. Yeah. So she, she, yeah. I didn't know at the time, but then the next year, I was talking to her coworker. So she had, she had left or something. We were just hanging out with him separately. Um, and you know, we had talked about because he had been with karaoke with us and everything, so he knew what went down. And we were talking. He was. She had told me she had like an ex boyfriend, and you know, he had done some like abusive stuff. So it was kind of like a sad story. But then. He was like, no, nah, no, nah. she kind of still had a boyfriend at that point. She was stepping out at that point. <laughs> I understand a boyfriend. I mean, we learned that, you know, the Japanese people, their definition of cheating might not be the same as ours. So, you know, maybe she thought she was okay in the clear. But, yeah, but she was jet program, man. She was Brazilian and her boyfriend was back in Brazil. <laughs> oh, oh, never mind. My bad. <laughs> yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, what about you, man? Would you be a side chick? What's you know, what's what, what's your situation? Yeah. So it would really depend. I think for one, I would have to if I find out found out after the fact, I feel like it would annoy me more than if I knew going into it. Just because mm. I feel like I put effort into relationships, right? Mm. If I'm just the side, you know, the side piece, then that's fine. But what am I wasting all of my time and effort into a relationship that's clearly not a meaningful relationship? You know what I mean? Well, well hold on. Who said it's not meaningful, man? Well, meaningful in the sense that I'm putting effort into the relationship in the hopes that it'll like grow and bloom into something different. Sure, sure, right? sure. And I feel like as the side, like that's just not what, that's not your role as the side piece, right? You're there no. essentially to just to have a fun time. Right. And I'm down to have a fun time. But again, there's a lot of emotional investment that comes into these relationships. So, one, I think I would have more of an issue if I wasn't aware of it, just because I'd be like, man, I was, you know, like if I was bringing you flowers and I was bringing you cards, stuff like that. And I found out, like, I, I thought that I was genuinely in a relationship with you. And then I found out I was the side piece. I would mm. feel some kind of way about it. Because I'd be like, I spent this time with you this money on you now i feel embarrassed but if you come to me in a like you don't have to up front be like hey by the way i'm like if, if if it's very clear the nature of the relationship like that this is just a casual thing right then i would be on board with it if i'd be on board with it if they were in like a polyamorous relationship I would feel No, 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 no. I think that if I, I don't think I would I think if I was a side piece and I uh I even if I didn't know the other guy, I would feel really bad about what I was doing to this other person. Cause I would I I have I'm very good. One one thing someone has told me is that I'm very good at being able to personally relate to people's like struggles and issues. Like a, a friend will tell me something and I'll find it, find some way to connect it to like, you know, my own lived experience and empathize with that. And I feel like if I was the side piece and I 
I knew I wouldn't feel bad about what I've done to this point. You know, I didn't know any better. But the moment I find out that there's someone else that she's in a relationship with, I would just be like, what, it, what how much is it going to hurt this guy, you know, once he finds out about what I'm doing with his girl, right? So I don't think I don't think I would be okay with it. If she's in a polyamorous relationship, then I don't care. Like, you know, that's just right, we're, right. We're, we're just two consenting adults at that. Yeah, that's a fair point, you know. I wish I could say I was 100% on the same page, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah! <laughs> I, you know, I have some friends who I know, you know, like, won't judge, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I got some friends who yeah. might judge, so, you know, I don't know who's listening to this podcast at this point, you know? Yeah, and I'm look, also look, not I... saying... I also want to be I'm not out here saying that like my type is women in relationships, right? I mean, I want to be really clear as that, like crazy. That's <laughs> actually such a crazy statement. I, I said I don't want to say that, man. Did you hear I, me? I know, I know, I, I heard you. But you know what it's kind of like <laughs> you know when people are like, you know, I don't want this. <laughs> I want to be really, really, really clear. It's I'm not just saying I'm not trying to say that that's not my type, but I really go after them. <laughs> it it is not a preference. It is not a it is not something that I actively pursue. Uh, women in relate like, that is not something that I like am am out here going for. Yeah, but if um, it happens to happen, but I yeah, it's like, it's like I remember there was this time. <laughs> And there was this, it was a friend of mine. It was this girl I met in Ireland. She was Scottish and we kind of got on pretty well. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we actually met, me and my buddy were out there and we were kind of crushing it with the Scottish girls, but then we were all going to go for a walk on the town or whatever, like midnight. But then we went to get our coats and they like kind of got bored and they were like, ah, not anymore. And we're like, man, we shouldn't have got our coats. What are we doing? We're dumb. Like we were in here. And so I saw her a couple years later at a different race and we and we were kind of we kind of jump right back in to being all flirty and everything like you know a little touchy but she she's making jokes she's making jokes that you might not want your she's making jokes you might not want your girlfriend to make <laughs> you know she's like ah you know maybe i'd come back next year in an open relationship we'll see you know <laughs> like you might not be keen if now nothing nothing ever happened between us right but like at one point she was coming to run a race in Boston and I, and you know she was like yeah you know you're you're around and I was like yeah you could definitely come stay we have a guest room it's not like she's gonna be like staying in my room or anything things like that but I remember I said to my roommate at the time I said you know I if something happened I was like I don't think I would feel bad <laughs> I didn't feel bad for yeah. I found the ball I said man you know I don't yeah. I don't think I would feel bad. I also feel like that's a little little different of a situation, right? Like if I was, let's say I'm single and, you know, some girl, some friend, like if, uh, some girl is, is staying at my place, I feel like it would be, you know, sometimes you you think with your, your dick instead of thinking with your head, you know what I mean? Whereas mm. it's like, I could see myself being in a situation where I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't do this because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, get 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 in the middle of a messy situation. But then I'm like, also, I could just, I could just do it. <laughs> it'll, prob it'll probably be fun. It'll probably be a good time. Yeah. So, you know, we could just do it. So I think sometimes the temptation is just there too. 
you know. And I think that's a little oh, bit yeah, different yeah. than maybe like actively checking bro, it but, out. Bro, but she wasn't stay. She like she wasn't at, at my house when I said this. This is like this is like two months out. I'm like you know, <laughs> <laughs> like the temptation was not the temptation was sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, here's what it is, man. Because for me, I want to be you know. It's if I was like in the same city, if I was like in the same, if she's like in a happy relationship and I'm like in the same city and I'm like, yo, I want you to leave your man for me, that kind of thing, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that's the kind of thing I would really feel complicated about. Yeah, I want you to just leave your man and come be, you know, and I'm gonna be blowing up her phone saying, yo, what happened? I thought we had something right. Like, yeah. you know, I'm in this position. I live. I live. A, a plane a long plane ride away we'll say and if anything had happened it's like i'm gonna go let her go back to her her life and you know we're still gonna be cool like you know she's I, as a person i think she's great like we're still gonna be cool like i'll let her back on her life and uh I, i'm, I'm I not got, I got, her man but to me i, I got, think what? that's what makes me feel more okay with it is when i'm not really yeah. trying to step in and like create that kind of country i'm like you can go back to your life right now and and i'm not gonna be any kind of hindrance from that i've got one question mm. one last question for you would you have you ever been worried or i guess would you ever be worried about someone stepping up to you because of something like that you know they find out that you you know because again I know you live in Providence. I know you live in the Northeast. You know, maybe gun ownership isn't as high. I'm like, you know, it's another reason, just another reason why I wouldn't do it. Where I'm just like, bro, I live in St. Louis. You know, everyone like packing. So I don't know. Have you, is that ever something that you've been concerned about or has crossed your mind? Well, bro, you, you say this like I've really done this a million times. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm saying in the future, in the future, because right, you know, right. I'm just, going this is not a um, this is not a this is not a situation that I this is not a situation that I just like know about. You know what I'm saying? Like where I'm like, oh yeah. So I just remember the time that another time that I didn't know necessarily, I didn't know anything about it, but then, you know, we kissed, but she, it was kind of like a little break. So they were, they were on a break. So it was a little complicated. I just remembered like another moment, but they were actually on a break and I didn't know about that, you know, either, but the, um, and she did it, not me, uh, but we were, it was a compromising situation. I mean, I'm not going to give them the whole situation. Um, <laughs> we, Man, it's not like I find myself, it's not like a premeditated situation that I continually find myself in because I'm chasing these moves. So this is not something that I have a lot of experience in thinking about, right? Uh, but I don't know, you know, like know what they look like. <laughs> yeah, like know what they look like. <laughs> you know what I'm that, I mean, look. Yeah, I just I just feel like that's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there, you know. That's just like a lot of undue stress in in your life, but you know it is what it is. I, 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 I can't say that I ever want to be in that kind of situation. Unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, but I think we can wrap this up real quick. Just talking about the Super Bowl. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Who you rooting for, Abraham? Who you want? I think I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I think. Oh boy. 
yeah. And I'm not a Chiefs. I was rooting. I was rooting like hell for the Ravens. That's yeah. who I actually wanted to win. Just because I love, I love Lamar's story so much. And, you know, I had to. I, had to, I got into an argument with a friend of mine. We're talking about Lamar versus Justin Herbert. We don't need to go into all of that. But I was, oh, I man. thought it was the most ridiculous thing in the world that he was telling me he would probably start a franchise with Herbert over Lamar. Um, That's like my friend who yeah. thought that random white girl was better looking than Taylor Rooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just like, bro, what has Justin Herbert accomplished? Regular season right. or postseason? Nothing. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. For Chiefs Niners, I think on one hand it would be cool for Brock Purdy. I think it would actually I, I would like I would be happy with the Niners winning because you know Brock Purdy getting his ring. Right. It's like that underdog story. Who doesn't love an underdog? I love it. But I also I also do think when Tom Brady left the Patriots, I remember thinking, we're never gonna see this again. Ever. Right. This 20 year run of dominance and obviously they didn't win every year they had like a 10-year drought when the patriots didn't win anything right right but in the salary cap era i was like we're never going to see a sustained run of success like this ever again and the chiefs have me believing that they can actually pull off something like that right and i do think as much as people hate the patriots for a bunch of different reasons it is always good to have that kind of Goliath, you know, someone mm-hmm. like that. You, that it, it's it's always fun to, to to be able to watch history and witness greatness. So I love watching Patrick Mahomes. I would be very into the kind of goat conversations that are going to start to come up if he wins his third ring by like you know his sixth or seventh year. I don't think anyone is going to be able to say he's the goat, but like you know, goat trajectory, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's something that, for me, like you talk about, I live in New England, right? I, I talked last week. Was it last week? I was talking about dogging out these Patriots fans, man. Yeah. And so I love the Brock Purdy story, especially as someone who ended up being an athlete at a really high level, um, who came from a place where you would not have expected that. A lot closer to being a seventh-round pick who ended up being – a very high level athlete as opposed to being someone who was a top pick first round, whatever. So I really do empathize with the Brock Purdy story. He seems legit to me. I think he's better than Justin Fields, the quarterback on my team. I take him a million times over Justin Fields, like all freaking day. Um, But the, the thing about Mahomes is, man, I want someone to catch Tom Brady. Like they had me in the year it was the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl, I was rooting so hard against Tom Brady every week. <laughs> I was rooting against him in the wild card round. I was rooting against them in whatever the next round was. I was rooting for the Packers. I'm a Bears fan. I rooted for the Packers <laughs> against them. I wanted the Packers to get to the Super Bowl so I could have not have to deal with all these Patriots fans talking about Tom Brady, Tom Brady, seven rings. Like, can we just get away from it? He's not on our team anymore. That's crazy because the Patriot, the one Patriots fan that I'm close friends with, she was actively rooting against Tom winning in Tampa because she wanted his entire legacy to be in New England. So it's funny that all these people in New England are like, yeah, 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 let's root for Tommy. 
No, nah, bro. They were all like, we still got this guy because you don't, you wouldn't even believe the boner that all of New England has for Tom Brady. <laughs> like, yes, I have <laughs> never seen anything. I've never seen anything like it, the amount they love this man. Okay. But so for me, rooting for Mahomes, like, I'll be happy with whichever team wins, but I don't think Mahomes, because of how good he is and how, like, incredible all of his plays and how good he's been from the beginning there's an argument like yeah tom brady's first couple super bowls were not really about him right it was about the defense about venice harry he led one drive but he completed like he completed like 90 he had like 90 yards passing going into the third fourth quarter of his yeah. first super bowl i think that if we can get mahomes to like four if we can get mahomes to five i think the goat conversation is like really seriously open in a way where Mahomes could legitimately become the GOAT. And that would be something that's really that's really exciting for me. I I agree for sure. I mean, he's already you compare the start of the careers and it's not even close, right? Not in terms close. of in terms of postseason success, they've had a very similar amount of postseason success, but the team construction is completely different, right? Like right. Mahomes has two MVP. I don't think Tom Brady won his first MVP till that 07 season. Right. right? It was. It took Tom a while to develop into the quarterback that Mahomes essentially came into the league as. So you know, you go year by year, and I think Mahomes is. It's almost Bro, like you can't even do Mahomes stuff, man. The freaking pass yeah. that whatever his face dropped in the end zone where Mahomes threw it yeah. on fourth and goal, like horizontal, and it hit a dude in the face. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, dude, no one can do that but this dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know how in like the Olympics, they're on like. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, like, in swimming and whatnot, they'll be like, you know, the Olympic record pace or the world record. And you right, can right. see, like, sure, they, this person hasn't set, like, the world record, but, like, they're on pace to. It's the if, – if this were the Olympics, Pat Mahomes would be so far ahead of the pace that Tom Brady set at right. the start yeah. of his career. Yeah, completely. And I think the fact as well that he has the – 12-year contract like shoot man by the time that 12th year is on he's gonna be on a team-friendly contract with 50 million a year <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> plus like inflation and like yeah. new contracts and whatever are there yeah, yeah, yeah. so if the dude yeah. stays healthy and is eventually when he's older on what is a team-friendly contract again i think the opportunities for him to be on some really incredible teams is gonna be you know when, when freaking all the other quarterbacks are making like 80 90 million and, and he's just still one of the best dudes in the league it's gonna be really Exciting to see, man. You know what's re one real quick one one crazy stat that I saw. Well, I got well, I got one other crazy stat too. So you after you go ahead. The 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 stat I saw is that Brock Purdy made about forty three thousand dollars a game this year for the Niners. Dang. And that Mahomes made about fifty five thousand dollars per throw this year. Mahomes <laughs> 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 made more money per throw than than Brock did per game, and I was like, "Dang, oh, that's that's crazy." That's hysterical, dude. That's wild. That's, that's unbelievable, dude. That the 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 last thing I was thinking about Hayden on Tom Brady, man. I saw a I saw a meld like of his like Tom Brady every year since you know for the last twenty five years or whatever. There's a point in that thing, man. You watch this dude's hairline go, start thinning out in front and start going through all these <laughs> random, like, oh, he's doing this comb over with it. And you just see it start coming back and you start seeing his jaw lines get thinner and, and finer. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I don't need to be that jealous of this dude. <laughs> that's that's what he met Giselle, you know? He that, had that, 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 he I was Giselle. thinking that too, exactly. <laughs>
It's oh, like, oh, Dizel, you got these people who can do what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for today. That's the show. Yeah. Well, you go ahead, keep on listening. Keep it thank thanks everyone for, for checking in, you know, like, and follow, subscribe. Oh, go ahead. Quick, we, we have a Twitter now. We have a Twitter. We have a Twitter. The Twitter is at friend who read OP. I couldn't put the S after friends because there's a character limit on Twitter, but it's at friend who read OP. That's our Twitter handle. Yeah, man, go go follow us. We'll hopefully be on, you know, maybe even TikTok and not too long, but follow us yeah. on Twitter uh, or X, whatever you want to call it. Go ahead and, uh, you know, like us. Tell all your friends about us. We're heading towards our 200th. We're going to buy next week. We should have our 200th total listen. That's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah. love you and appreciate you, everyone. Thanks for being on. Thank our you, friends. guys. Take care.